You are now listening to the Whipped Cream Podcast with Bianca Harris and Chantel Chapman. On today's episode, we have Chloe Wilde. Chloe and I met a few years ago and clicked right away. I'm so excited that she was able to be on the podcast. Chloe is a TV host at eTalk CTV and the founder of Healthiest Hot and the Healthiest Hot Podcast. Chloe was so generous and so open on this episode and I learned so much more about her. We chat about Chloe's journey, what got her to where she is today, body image, anxiety, and so much more. Thank you so much, Chloe. So Chloe is the founder of Healthiest Hot and yeah. uh, TV host extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> How would you introduce yourself had I not? Oh my gosh, Bianca. You know I don't like talking about myself. Um, no, you killed it. You killed it. Daytime reporter at eTalk. Used to be on Much Music for a hot second. And then, yeah, founded Healthiest Hot, which started off as a hashtag way long ago and has since turned into a digital space and an online community. And now we're actually hitting the pavement weekly with the Run Club, which I love. And like you, I recently launched a podcast. Side note, Bianca's episode is dope, so check it out. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit of everything. I think probably too many things. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. Aww. Yeah, because I remember when you were just launching it and you were like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, how am I gonna pull this off? And I'm like, you totally can, if anyone can, it's you. Oh, the podcast? Just launching, oh, just, yeah, I was gonna ask that, the podcast. Hot, especially with what you yeah. were doing. I don't know if you remember, but we had conversations because it's like, it's just, you already have so much on your plate, right? Well, I feel like you and I actually <clears> talked about my idea for the Healthiest Hot podcast way long ago because you had a podcast back then too. And I was like, this is something I wanna do, but I just don't know what to do. And then I kind of just tabled it. And then this year, it was one of my goals. I was like, I need to get this off the vision board and into reality. And yeah. I was like, okay, enough is enough. And I, I'm glad that it happened this year because I don't think I would have been able to do the podcast the way it is now a couple years ago. Like now yeah. I'm in the right headspace. I'm motivated. I'm excited. I'm surrounded by really great guests, which are super motivating. So I'm excited. I think the podcast is probably the project I'm most excited about right now. Yeah. I have a question for you about the podcast yeah. and the Healthy is Hot brand. So, um... Some people believe that with passion, and you found you seem very passionate about this, that we land at the intersection of passion when we bring together something that may have been painful in our past and our skills, and maybe also what the world really needs. So if we look at that equation and we land at passion, do you feel like that connects to why you do this the catalyst for it? Because oh, yeah. The fact that you say intersection and like the, the points are pain, skills, and like hopefully bettering the world, like there that trifecta of items is definitely huge, huge part of why Healthy is Hot exists. Mm. Like Healthy is Hot, you know this Bianca, was born from a really dark place, but also a very high time in my life. I was doing the Much Music DJ Search reality show, which was, you know, much music show. We traveled across the country. Um, great experience, but I was not taking care of myself. I was very unhealthy and, um, in what way? Oh girl, I just wasn't eating oh. at all. Like all my previous difficulties with food and body image 
which stems from like, way long I didn't ago. know that. You didn't know this? I don't think we talked about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I feel like I need to backtrack then. Okay, yeah, let's back, yeah. let's, ba- let's talk about the, the not eating and what that was like. Yeah, so if I, and I had to really unpack this when I launched the podcast because my goal with the podcast was to have really honest, candid conversations with people living passionate lives and having badass careers and learning how health is a part of their story, whether mm. that's um, a surplus of health or a lack of health, because it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, you have some type of relationship with health. And in order for me to kind of ask that of my guests to be honest and raw, I felt it was only, it was only right that I was honest. So the first episode is just me talking and I had to tell my story and it was probably the first time I've ever said it in such a public forum. And it was probably the first time now at 30 where I've really had to think back, like, where do my food insecurities come from? Where do my body image um, issues come from? How far back? Like I had never really sat back and thought about it and it was really eye-opening and scary and also a moment of pride where I realized okay I've come a long way and I'll probably still continue on this path for the rest of my life but by doing so I realized that I think my first kind of body image thought was high school Mm. and I I don't think I'm alone in thinking that if I think of elementary years like happy-go-lucky running in the field one of the boys and then high school started and all of a sudden you start playing with clothes and makeup and you're figuring out your sexuality and how you fit into the world and I remember that's where all the, the nightmares started to happen. But yeah, so if I think back to high school, on the exterior, um, I had this great mask on. I was like a grade A student. I was part of multiple sports teams. I was on leadership committee, debate team. I was also part of the math team. Um, wow. I like hung out with the stoner kids and would skip school, but I was really, really, like I was killing it on the outside, but on the inside I was really struggling. I would either binge eat and then binge exercise. And then I got into a really bad habit of purging. But be, if you're someone who has a tendency to binge either way, your weight typically will stay normal. And so no one really knows that you're going through all of it. So wait, say that again. So if, and this is just from my personal experience and the research I've done, but my habit of binge eating and then followed by binge exercising was very unhealthy, but they balanced out in a way where my body type and my body size was quote unquote healthy. So no one really picked up that I was going through all of this. So I was able to kind of fly under the radar with these really unhealthy habits and seem like I had it all going on on the outside. And that's kind of how I've lived most of my life is like putting on a mask, you know, like making it seem like you got it all figured out, but then there's actually so much more going on under the surface. So fast forward to university and like I the binge habits were taken care of. I was being much healthier and I was killing it at school. I think I just at one point decided I wanted to take health into my own hands Mm -hmm. and start treating myself a little bit better. And moving out of my house, my childhood home was helpful too. I realized that that wasn't a great place for me growing up. So I moved out as soon as I could at 17, got out of my small town, moved downtown, Montreal. And then I felt like that's when I had a little bit more ownership and more control over my life. And as a result, got rid of some Whoa. of those bad habits. That were that those words, ownership and control over my life, and like, what are you doing when you binge? It's like mm-hmm. you're playing, like you're manipulating the control in your life. Yeah, which is so scary that that yeah. was my coping mechanism when I was younger. Yeah. But like, I didn't didn't know how to do anything else at the time, and I was tell it's it messed with my head. It was like, well, I'm being healthy. I'm going for a run, but. The, the catalyst for going for a run and the motivation was not a healthy one. Mm-hmm. It was to counteract something really bad that I had just done to my body. So yeah. when I moved out, it got a little bit better. And then I did my first degree 
um, was debating going to med school, jumped into a second degree in nursing that time, and then halfway through my nursing degree, everything kind of came back full force, and uh, I ended like up having to take a sabbatical. Not the, just like things started to fall apart. I wasn't binge eating and purging anymore, but like I wasn't doing very, very well, so much so that I had to take a sabbatical because I was just burnt out. And then that was December of 2013 when I went on my sabbatical. And at this point you have to imagine, like I'd been an academic student for five years. Like my GPA at McGill was great. I was like a top student in like sports. I had a great social circle. And for whatever reason, like that wasn't enough. My body and my mind just couldn't handle it. So I was forced to go on a sabbatical and McGill was super supportive. And they're like, you need this time, come back in a year. And like your spot with us will be, will be safe. It'll be secure. Your GPA won't be affected. So it was a really supportive environment from a, a school standpoint. So that's December, come January, I have no idea what I'm doing in my life because all I've known up until this point was science and health science and like going to become a doctor or going to become a nurse and I felt so lost and I remember sitting on my couch, wintry Montreal, January day, which is not very happy and positive and just crying and seeing this commercial come up on the TV screen and I was like mindlessly flipping through the channels and then as I flipped through it, a commercial came up that forever changed my life. And it was a Much Music commercial and it said, do you want to be the next Much Music BJ? <laughs> and I'm just sitting there crying in my pink onesie, like questioning my life. And I was like, yeah, I think I do. I think really? I really do. Like, I think I was craving a change. I had all this energy that I would put into school and it was just no longer being utilized. So I, for whatever reason, just like that moment, had I not been sitting on that couch watching that commercial, I don't know if I'd be here. So I decided to put all my energy into the BJ search. I had to film a video so I did like a day in the life of Chloe. Have you ever thought about doing this before though? Well I, when I have like memories of being a kid and like pretending to be like a news anchor and having my teddy bears be a part of it but not really like my whole life I've been focused on science like yeah. I really thought I was going to go into the health sciences world mm -hmm. like forever um, but one of my jobs while I was in university was hosting these YouTube videos for a website called askmen.com and uh I like randomly was offered it and it paid well and I needed to pay my rent so I decided to do it. I was awful. They're all over YouTube. Like they if are. you want to see how bad I was when I started and it, yeah, just look up Chloe Wilde Ask Men Daily Brief and there's hundreds, hundreds really? of them. It was so bad. It was so, so that bad. That was your practice. It was my practice. I think it led me, it led me partially to here today. Oh, for sure. So, this is the longest story to talk about healthy as hot. But no, this is amazing. I didn't even, look how long I've known you. I didn't know these details. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no. this is me. Yeah. From a science nerd to just a nerd still <laughs> loving science and TV. Um, yeah, so I, so I basically poured my heart into this audition video and I didn't know what to show. I was like, my life is not really that exciting. So I did a day in the life and I woke up, I walked my dog and then I showed my school. I showed that I volunteered at a yoga studio and I would like mop the sweaty floors after so I could do free yoga because I couldn't afford it. And it was just like a silly little video showing my life and for whatever and you didn't reason. didn't think anything would come of it? Or no, you... I mean, I mean, I did it hoping that something would come of it, but I did it because I needed something to put my energy into. Yeah. And I needed something that was different than everything I had done before. I needed, for whatever reason, I just needed a shake-up. I needed to shake the etch sketch I loved school, was really good at McGill, but obviously something wasn't working because I just couldn't handle it. And maybe, like, this would be my new outlet. And I all of a sudden had all this time on my hand. I was like, what am I going to do? Yeah. So I did it, and somehow I made it. And then next thing I knew, I was packing a bag for Vancouver because the reality show consisted of traveling across the country on a bus 
with the other VJ contestants doing challenges in cities across Canada. And then if you were lucky enough to make it to the live shows, then there was two weeks of live shows in Toronto. I like the Much Music HQ. And so I packed my bag. I like, I think I went to Giant Tiger and stocked up on like $7 dresses because I was like, I don't know what people wear on TV. And throughout the, the show, we traveled across. And then by the time I got to Ottawa, so at this point, we're almost back in Toronto. Um, we've been on the road for about a month. I uh, was lucky enough to make it to Ottawa and that's where my mom lives. So I remember when we got to Ottawa, my mom was so excited. She was like, I can't wait to see you and like see how you're doing. I'm so proud of you. And I remember getting off the bus and my mom and my brother and their dog were all there wearing t-shirts with my face on it, including the dog, holding oh. the most obnoxious sign, like so obnoxious. And it said Chloe for VJ on it. It was the sweetest thing. I couldn't believe that they did that. And I was so excited to see them and my mom's face when I got off the bus and gave her a hug went from excitement to pure concern. Like she was, and I've never seen that look in my mom's eyes and I've put her through a lot. Um, and that night when we went out to dinner, she pulled me aside and she was like, sweetheart, like if you're gonna do this, do it. I'm so proud of you, but like don't forget to take care of yourself. Like I had just lost so much weight in that month and I think it was the stress and the anxiety and I wasn't doing it intentionally. Like I wasn't not eating out of choice. I just don't even think I realized I wasn't eating. I think it was just the stress and the weird kind of social psych experiment element of the reality show where you become best friends with everyone but then you're vying for one job. I think it almost became too much for me to handle. So I was I just looking back, I'm like, you weren't eating. Like now I know I have the force, like I can look back and realize that I wasn't taking care of myself, but I didn't realize until my mom pointed it out to me. And wow. I'm not someone who likes to be told what to do, <laughs> but like the look she had in her eyes was just like pure concern. And so that night in Ottawa, we uh, were lucky enough to stay in a hotel that night. I went to the gym and I took a photo in front of the mirror and I used the hashtag healthiest hot for the very first time. Just randomly? And I don't know where wow. it came from. What year was this? This would have been 2013. Oh, wow. So the okay. year that I not only technically dropped out of school, moved to a new city and tried a new reality show. And, but I don't wow. know where healthiest hot came from. It's also just like, it's so incredibly intuitive at that time for the future because like, we're in this time right now where this is a really big, important conversation right? yeah. with like body inclusivity and um, talking about diet culture and things like that. So like in and accepting your body, accepting your body. Yeah. yeah. In 2013 to have that, like that was like an intuitive download that you received. Oh, I, I don't know what the universe <laughs> was channeling in me that day, but and to be honest, like I'm glad that it's a relevant topic now that we're all talking about and we're trying to promote health as the number one thing, whether it's mental health or physical health or nutritional health or career health, which is at Healthy As Hot, we believe health is all of those things yes. and more. But in 2013, when I posted it, it was really a selfish post. It was a public promise to myself that if I got the job at Much Music, if I was lucky enough to somehow make it into this industry, that I would strive for health above anything else you know, so healthy is hot. You think that's selfish? I have to say something about that. So hang on. I did it for me. But hang on. When you, so this no, is a known no, fact. No. This is a known <laughs> thing. When you declare something to the world, yeah. that means you will actually live into it. 
So if you're if you were to declare that to like just one person in your life, yeah, you could easily say, "Oh, screw it," because no one knows. Yeah. So when you declare something out there in reality, it keeps you accountable. So like that's what you were doing in the moment because it's yes. like, oh well, now I can't go back on this because I made it public. Yeah. So if anyone listening wants <laughs> to actually commit to something and make it happen, you have to declare it to lots of people. Yeah. Or else it just it's because you can just be like, oh, forget it. No one knows. And I just want to address this selfish. <laughs> not selfish. Yeah. Hell no. It's so not selfish because, and I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that in this time, like, especially on Instagram, like everyone's a coach, everyone's a teacher, everyone's a leader, blah, blah, blah. Like everyone's trying to help other people. The true helping and liberation of other people is when you do it for yourself first, right? Like, if I help myself and I liberate myself from my own suffering, people around me are going to rise up with me, right? That's like, to be of service, you always start with yourself first. So I don't think that's selfish. I think it's beautiful and inspiring. And do you remember um, Bianca Sukhdev said, we interviewed one of my teachers, Sukhdev, um, on a past episode. And she's like, when a woman falls, generations fall. When a man falls, a man falls. And I love that quote because it's just a reminder. Like Women have, have this obligation to honor themselves because when they do, generations rise up around them, right? So it's not That's selfish. powerful. But it's actually so funny that you're calling me out for saying that it's selfish because I've <laughs> talked to so many women where they'll say similar things to what I just said and I look at them and I'm like, no, 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 yeah. that's not selfish. And then I always talk about the age-old analogy of when you're on an airplane and it's going down, what are you supposed to do if that oxygen mask comes down? You're supposed to put it on yourself first, even if there's like a cute little tot next to you. You have to take care of yourself first. And I, I'm i not even taking my own advice. That's well, no my, one does. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But when you say it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's so funny you use that analogy because yeah. that's like one of my lines that I tell all my friends. Are you putting your own air mask on first? <laughs> it's because it's something that everyone's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. even in a life or death situation like a plane crash, you still, you can't be there for other people. Yeah. Unless you take care of yourself. Yeah. Wow, it's such a huge thing. I know for me, like especially even when I started WIP, I was not taking care of myself, but I was taking care of everyone else and like putting on these things to help all these other people when I was fucking dying. Oh, yeah. And... Yeah, no, sometimes you have to step back and just only deal with you for yeah. the moment, you know? Which is a very hard thing to do when you're being thrust into a very public space. Yeah. Yeah. And I was that was not used to that. I didn't dream of being on TV one day. So that experience was hard. It was hard on my heart. It was hard on my friendships, my relationship at the time. It was clearly hard on me physically. But What do you mean? In what way? That experience was hard on your relationships because why? Well, imagine you leave everything you know to go on this brand new adventure and no one can understand what you're going through except for those people on that adventure. So the rest of your life, whether it's your friends or your partner or your parents, even though they can reach out to you and say like, hey, how's it going? It's so hard to put into words what that experience is like that for that month, however long it was, you're just isolated in a bubble. Yeah, and there's also conflicted ideals. Like that industry has this ideal of how your body should look, how you should appear, how much you need to show up as far as time and energy goes. And then there's like your family who has another ideal about you. And you you shared that with your mom where she was like, oh, wow, you know. Yeah, 
mom, so mom these are through. conflicting, right? Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, I call it a, the most interesting social psych experiment I've ever been a part of. But I wouldn't change it because I'm here and I wouldn't, I wouldn't also change the way I treated my body because then Healthiest Hot wouldn't have been born. Yeah. So, you know, to come back to your point of the intersection, Healthiest Hot came from a place of pain, but it also came from, you know, a place of curiosity. I've always been passionate about health and science and hoping to better the world. Like, whatever I do in this world, like, I just hope it has ripple effects that will affect other people in a positive way. Yeah. And I think that that's exactly, you know, when you talked about the intersection, you put all those things together and you get passion and hopefully you get something that you can move forward with and create and yeah. expand on. Yeah. How has it been dealing so with your... Um, like food issues and body issues now being in this industry. Oh, well, like, that must be like for me. I feel like that would be challenging every single day because it's always about how you look. What do you, you know? Yeah, it's not a like my like the way I was as a teenager was detrimental to my physical health and my mental health. And I realize that now, and I really hope that I never go back to those habits. Like those are habits, you know, the binging and the purging. Those are habits that have long been kicked to the curb, um, and I'm very proud of that. And the uh, the appeal of them is gone as well. Like I'm no longer pining for those those weird experiences, um, which is something that as a teenager you have this weird relationship with them, where you know it's bad, but you want to do it anyways, and then you have a bad day or something happens at home and then you end up coping with the with those things and as an I adult still like I do that shit all the day all we the talk time. about it all yeah. the time I'll be like I, I was like if I don't go to shoppers and literally buy a whole pack of Twizzlers a whole pack of Mini yeah. and eat them all in one session I'm gonna freak the fuck out so like that's been yeah. too like it's just another way of like reaching for something yeah. external to feel better like I mean the binge, like treating yourself to treats is something I still do, but the, the being followed up by purging is not. Yeah. Mm. So like that is a, that's a cycle that's been broken for me and I'm really grateful that it's broken. Um, like very grateful and it, it's been long gone. It hasn't been a part of my life for a very long time, but now it's still a struggle. Like my body image issues flare up all the time and like it's the most random triggers that will that will set it off where it's either I know it's in my head I'm, I'm struggling with body dysmorphia on a certain day or I have a fitting at work and a sample size for some you know six foot tall 110 pound model doesn't fit me which obviously it's not going to but that'll like set me off and I just can't handle my emotions but uh, I'm working on it like I'm working on it yeah. my relationship with food is something that I work on a lot too now but I've just changed my mindset. When I used to look at food as either like a way to lose weight or, you know, just something I needed to do where now I look at food as fuel. Mm. So like I work hard. I, my body does amazing things every single day. I walk to work every day. That's 25 minutes of speed walking because usually I'm running late to get to the office. Like my body needs fuel in order to do that and it needs good fuel. When I work out, it deserves good fuel. So I just try to see food as fuel rather than a negative thing, something that will bring me a lot of guilt and bring me a lot of I resentment. I still struggle with that. But Huge. I say that, but it's still very hard. Of course. And I, you know what? This is, Bianca and I talk about addiction recovery a lot. And I think this is, it's like the food thing, it's, it's an addiction too. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the thoughts, being addicted to the thoughts of my body not being good enough, that can be an addiction. And I think like with, the world of addiction recovery 
it's not just like all of a sudden you wake up and it's gone. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, you work a program for a reason and you continue to work a program for a reason probably for maybe the rest of your life. (laughs) Probably. I've, I've come to terms with the fact that these, um, you know, the issues I have with my relationship with food and my body image and negative self-talk, like those are three things that I've kind of come to terms with that they'll probably always be a part of my life, but I'm like ready to put up a good fight. Like, I feel like I've got it in me to try to deal with the bad days and try to hopefully have more good days than bad days. But I don't know, I don't know if those issues will ever go away. And at 30, I'm more kind and more patient to myself than ever, but I still have a lot of shit days. Yeah, you've just developed more tools. Yeah, my coping mechanisms are better and wider reaching, and I talk about it openly now, which I think has been really helpful. That is the literally the key to at least beginning the healing because mm-hmm. when you keep it all inside it makes you feel like crap because you feel like you're alone and then you go and reach for the thing to make you feel better yeah in my experience like talking about it openly yeah. is like it's so I'm so proud of you for doing that yeah, it's amazing it's i mean it's terrifying like yeah. you're putting yourself out but i feel like you get, i don't know if this work i don't know if this is your experience but do you feel less terrified when people reach out to you and they're like oh my god thank you so much for sharing that because i have the same thing going on yeah i think it's really nice when people do connect to it but then there is a point where i i appreciate that people are open and say like hey i get that i've been there but then i worry when the conversation progresses past that because i'm not a therapist mm-hmm. i'm not a medical practitioner Um, I'm not an expert in this field. I'm just someone who has experienced the life I've experienced and I'm happy to talk about it, but I, I sometimes worry about going too far with those dialogues and those stories because I don't want to end up being a trigger for someone else or providing false information or leading them, you know, to, to a toolbox that might not work for them. Mm -hmm. So it's this weird kind of dichotomy where you want to be open and you want to be real and you also want to be engaging with the people that want to be engaged with. But I have to be mindful of the fact that I may not be the best resource for them other than just letting them know, like, I'm here for you. I've been there. You got this. Yeah. I think it's like, again, this relates so much to the recovery world. Yeah. Like, if you go to any, like, fellowship meetings, 12-step, Food Addicts Anonymous, Sex Love Addicts Anonymous, it's like you have people in a room that are just sharing their story and there's healing from that. Yeah. There's not no like, fixing it. There's not like, yeah. I'm here to fix. This is what you need to do. And this is going to work for you. And if it doesn't, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like that. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> Beat it. But no, it's just, it's the sharing. The sharing is healing the, the community, you know, um, that I, that's the biggest thing I think in some of my own personal recovery. It's just knowing that, Oh, there's community. There's other people going through this too. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's powerful, and I think it's incredibly wise of you that you're not trying to fix yeah. and give advice. You're just here to say, hey, I'm, a, I'm part of this community, and you can be too. And that's the thing with, I think my favorite thing of the Healthiest Hot Online community is it used to be that I would contribute a lot of stories and a lot of articles. And I mean, we keep talking about my story, which I shared in the podcast, but like the overarching goal of the podcast is to share plenty of people's stories and that's the same thing with the online community where I actually have taken a huge step back from writing because we've got all these amazing contributors and some of them are professionals whether they're physiotherapists or kinesiologists or nutritionists and some are just 
people who want to tell their story and maybe it's just a one-off article and they put it out there and then we reach out and see how they're doing and they always feel so much better after having shared their stories no matter how difficult or painful it was for them to write it getting it out there is cathartic because you're just it's almost like you're acknowledging it you're acknowledging it that it had its place and its time but you're not letting it have power over you and yes. I think there's something really powerful about sharing your story yeah. and you're right it's not always about fixing it or finding a solution or a resolution sometimes it's just about being able to share your story in a safe space jay-z has the best quote, quote you cannot heal what you don't reveal <laughs> i think about Whoa. that really yeah, yeah i think about that all the time oh i like that because it's true if it's stuck in there and it's not yeah. getting expressed it only gets fed yeah and when you let it out it has no power anymore yeah it really doesn't and also, you have to feel it to heal it. You have to feel, feel it, it to heal it. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I mean, part of, like, I feel like what Jay-Z said is, like, step one. Step two is feel it to heal it. You know? And because sometimes, like, we can talk about it. And, and that's, like, that's a little bit less of a disassociation, but there's also this level of like acknowledging it, acknowledging mm -hmm. the pain, acknowledging where you're at, truly feeling it so you can heal it and move on. Right. Oh, feeling the feels is hard though yeah. sometimes. It is hard, but it's like when we, when we disassociate from that, like, are we actually, it's like that quote, are you, are you healed or just distracted? <laughs> I'm just distracted, honey. <laughs> All fucking day. <laughs> I would much rather do 10 <laughs> items on an annoying to-do list than deal with the feels. I know. Any day. All of us. It's not pretty or fun to like go through the mud. You know what's interesting about what, what you seem to be about is like you've really uh, brought in a lot of physical activity into what you do, like the run club and you walk to work and that sort of thing. And there's another slogan that I love. <laughs> yes, give me, we love quotes on this podcast. Uh, give me the quotes. Give me the quotes. <laughs> well, the issues are in the tissues. So you know, like if there's some like there's some pain, there's some like emotional pain within the body. There's ways to to kind of feel and release the pain and reveal the pain in like this somatic form of like movement, like running or yoga or whatever so that's almost like it's like loosening up those issues in the tissue oh my gosh right? can we talk about pigeon pose yeah. was just Yo, every time i literally went to yoga this morning <laughs> and like i was in and i hate pigeon pose so much and i think the reason i hate it is a my hips are tight but i think i hold a lot of emotion in my hips or there's something about do. that pose that yeah. like i've cried in that pose oh and times. and you know it's just you and the mat like you're face down crying and you're just like oh, everything hurts everything's so hard and it's like at the end of the class too typically so you're like you're loosened up you know you're in the zone and then pigeon pose comes and it's like well, bam you're dealing with some stuff I know. yeah that's like the psoas muscle yeah. women hold trauma there and um, that's where i have the most pain in my body yeah. really yeah there's actually there's actually a trauma therapy technique called tre it's trauma release I don't even know. I'm totally botching this, but it, it's basically this trauma therapy where they work the hips specifically for women and they have the, them lie on the ground and kind of butterfly their hips yeah. until they go into this shaking release. And it, it gets like the psoas muscle and they say that's like you can help, you can move some of that trauma in this somatic sense. 
So like that's a real thing. When you have an emotion arise because a pigeon, there's some shit in there. There's some issues in the tissue. There's some deep rooted shit. Let me I tell walked you. out of I walked out of yoga classes forgetting that I didn't take my mascara off with black all over <laughs> my face, and everyone's like. Are you okay? And then I walked to the. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> at that point, I'm like, I'm good. I walked to the washroom and black all over my face. I'm like, oh my god, just from like falling into my bath. And I, you don't even know what you're crying about. No, sometimes it just needs to come out. Yeah, yeah. It just does. No, I think movement's really important for many things, but like mental health for me is like the number one reason why I like to move my body. And that can be a hard run or it can be a hot yoga class or it can be just walking to work. Like I like fitness of all forms and I get bored very easily. So I'm often like bouncing between a bunch of different things. But the biggest thing I notice when I take time off the gym or off working out and being physical is my mental health. Like I am more groggy. I'm more lethargic. I'm more moody. My emotional ups and downs are like... Really big, Me like too. really big. Space. As much as I want abs, I literally go to the gym for my brain. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. A hundred percent. I also go to the gym because I really like tacos and pizza and wine. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, my mental health and my indulgences. Um, but I think that's, and I'm so happy that the like as a society, we're so much more open to using fitness and exercise as more than just weight loss and calories burned and yes physical fitness is very important especially for women with our bone health and everything like that but the mental health I mean the effects are incredible you're doing something for yourself you're telling yourself I am making myself a priority by going to class x or going to the gym or walking the dog you're doing something for yourself that will transpire into the rest of your day or at least give you a little bit more buffer before like the shit storm comes in yeah I'm so motivated to go to the gym right now. Yeah! (laughs) Anytime I watch a boxing movie, like Southpaw or Creed, I'm like, I'm going to become a boxer. (laughs) She's like, really? I was just seeing that too. She's like trying to get me to do boxing classes with her. The thing for me is like what I struggle with is because I know my ritual that I need to have every day is just finding the time in the morning sometimes to do it. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like, I literally just can't get up. I'm so tired. I need that extra half an hour. Because I really try in the morning to like meditate write in my journal to get it out yeah. and go to the gym. Like sometimes it just can't happen. And, but I do notice like, yeah. even if you miss one or two days, I'm like, I'm a fucking basket case. Like if I don't go and do that, it's just so interesting. The older you get, I'm like, I have to do that now. Like yeah. I could get away with like partying for like seven days oh. when I was younger. Now I'm like, I have to be in bed at nine. Like, it's just so interesting. I need those rituals every day. I, it's interesting to think back to the, I literally just came back from the hometown, like my little hometown that I'm from this weekend and going there was such like a weird hit of memories and Not like, good, what? just like interesting very interesting not good or bad but I kept thinking back to my university days and how much I used to party and like all the bars I used to hit at and some of them are still open in downtown Montreal and I was like whoa my life was so different it was study 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 like kill it at school and then party non-stop and there was like a bar we went to on Wednesday a bar we went to on Thursday a bar we went to on Friday and Saturday and then like Sunday you typically took off and somehow I was able to operate on all cylinders until I burnt out yeah. but now now life is so different. Like, welcome to 30. I it's know. like, get good quality sleep. Make sure you drink your water. Work hard. Play a little. It used to be work hard, play hard. Now it's, no, now it's work hard, hard, play now and then. Yeah. But it's interesting how life changes. Yeah. Thank Big you time. for being so open. Oh my gosh, I'm like an open book right now. It's like verbal, <laughs> verbal diarrhea galore. <laughs> no, 
I don't know I how to be so a closed much about book. You. We've had such deep conversations. Yeah. That's so weird. I don't know how to be a closed book, I realized. Hmm. Like, at all. Does that ever get you into trouble? I definitely have no filter. Like, if I think of something, it will probably come out of my mouth. And that's something I have to sometimes watch out for. Um, sometimes it's important to let thoughts fester. Especially in your industry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You kind of have to let thoughts fester sometimes. So I'm, like, working on it. Like, I get very excited. So I'm a very easily excitable person. When I get excited, I just start chit-chatting, like, wild. Um, But that's just... I I operate at at high levels, usually. Like, my frequencies are pretty high. Um, But... No, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think if anything, like, I don't really know how to lie. That's probably the biggest thing with having no filter and saying what's on your mind is is I'm not good at fibs or white lies <laughs> or lies. Like, I really only know how to be honest and sometimes to a fault. Like, I think yes, I definitely overshare a lot. Yeah. Do you, um, what is your relationship like with boundaries then? Because, like, sometimes people who... Um, are really good at like white lies they develop that as like a skill because they have a hard time with boundaries like to say like no "No, this doesn't work for me yeah I think uh I kind of love that I'm not a good liar like I'd love I I don't mind that about myself um honesty is the best policy most of the time sometimes it's not (laughs) ideal but most of the time honesty is the best policy but when it comes to boundaries it's something I'm working on and have been working on it, I want to say, for the last year or so. Just be... It's, our, it's Maya Bianca's theme for 2019. It's, it's not easy. And, like, my yeah. life... You know, I've been in Toronto now six years. And in those six years, there's been a lot of big changes. And um, I think, like, personal development-wise, the, the ability to say no and not feel guilty about saying no has probably been my biggest personal growth is I really do feel comfortable saying no, sorry, I can't do that or I can't be there um, because I have to say yes to myself. Yeah. Because if I say yes to everyone else, then I can't say yes to myself. It's definitely still something I'm working on because I'm still packing my schedule (laughs) really nice and tight like a Tetris board. Um, But as far as boundaries, like I'm way better at not attending everything. I used to feel like I had to be at everything that I was invited to because, you know, what if people forgot about me and what if I lost my job in TV and then would I still be around? Would people still want to work with me? I've come to terms with that now. I'm like, no, if people want to work with me, it's because of the skill I bring, not because I went to some event X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then I've had to really learn how to set boundaries with uh, the energy I surround myself with. So the friends I keep close and those that I've, I've had to kind of push away. Um, just because I really, I'm trying to be more cognizant of the energy I surround myself with. I would like it to be positive. I would like it to be honest. I would like it to be motivating. I want people who are not going to coddle me, that will push me, that will call me out on my shit. Um, and that's difficult. There's not that many people that fit that requirement. And also people that are patient. My schedule is bonkers. Sometimes I'll get to see you a lot, and then other times, like, I'm on the road. So being able to have uh, a social circle that's supportive but also will push you, I think, has probably been the biggest thing as far as boundaries go. But quiet time. My quiet time is, like, my quiet time, and I need that. Yeah. Like, there's, like, a buffer around my quiet time that, like, ideally no one and nothing can penetrate. Because if I don't have that, things start, to, things start to fall by the wayside. Yeah, that's back to putting your air mask on first. Yes, yeah. You got it. Well, we found the name of the episode, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Love yes, yes. Now we just need like a really not so cute picture of us with masks. Thank you so much for being on Club.
Oh my great. god. Love you so much. Yes. Wait, are we done? Yeah. Oh my god. Bianca, what did we even talk about? This is what happens. Oh my god, when we did, when Bianca and I did the Healthiest Hot Podcast, it wrapped. And Bianca was like, Are you, did we, what, did we even talk about anything? Like, that's how I feel right now. That's if you think we stage. talked about some cool stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I learned so much about you. Aww. You were so open. You are so wise. It's all these, all these smile lines. <laughs> no, I look. I think at, it doesn't matter what age you are. Everyone has lived a life, yes. and everyone has a story, and that's why like podcasts like your guys's or ours. Like, I just love that people's stories are being told and not in the traditional sense. Yeah. In a more candid way, yeah. you know, yeah. a little verbal diarrhea for you. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, Chloe. Love you. Thanks for listening. So as a money coach, I always talk about the exchange of energy. You guys just listen to this dope episode for free. So don't be cheap. Make a deposit into your Karma Bank account and review and subscribe to this podcast.